You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. All right. Welcome to The Boost, conversations with people promoting mental health. And I'm so stoked to be here with Jacqueline Spencer. And she is originally from New York. She's in the Nashville area now, uh, maybe Nashville proper. Uh, and she runs and founded Mental Health songwriters night which we're going to talk about um, i've been to the event once it happens every quarter and it's such an amazing experience uh, where they bring together musicians around this topic so can't wait to talk with you jacqueline how are you doing today i'm doing well thank you for asking um my husband and i were in Asheville, north carolina yesterday um for the whole weekend but we got back around like 8 30 at night so it's weird. I feel we didn't fly, but I feel like I'm jet lagged because like we were only there a couple of days. So we like, you know, went an hour ahead and then an hour back in a short period of time. And we hiked Mount Mitchell, um, which is like the highest point on the East Coast. So like being that high and then coming back down to the valleys of Nashville <laughs> in like less than 24 hours was like really in, an interesting experience. Um, but I'm feeling grateful that we were able to go um, and just a little sleepy. Yeah. Nice. What, what do you remember what the elevation is of that mountain by chance? It's like 6,000 something, something, okay. something. So you get, you get kind of up there, like you get your head in the clouds a little bit. Over, it's like when you looked straight, you were actually looking above the clouds which was pretty cool. It was so beautiful. And I learned that the guy who like discovered it, um, he like died on his way to prove that that was the tallest point on the East Coast. And I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, wow. What a factoid. I didn't know that. I've never climbed that mountain, but I have been to Asheville and I think it's a really funky, fun town. What, what was most interesting about it for you? Oh, man. Um... So I am such a hippie. And so since 2015, people have been telling me that I need to look, I need to check out Asheville, North Carolina. I need to go. So it's been on my bucket list for eight years. Um, and we finally made it happen. And it's just so artsy. I love it. Like so many different art museums and like different forms of art that were being shown off. There was also a cat cafe. And I felt slightly guilty because we left our cats. And I was like, man, if our cats knew we left them to go play with other cats, they'd be so mad. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they'd be like, so jealous. They would be. Um, is it a of, cafe where you bring your cats or is it a, is it specifically no. around cats? And then it's cats that you can adopt. So, okay. yeah. So they, and they have like coffee, you can drink tea, whatever. Um, but it's a really, and they have those here too in, in Tennessee. Um, but basically, there it's like a 
an adoption center for cats, but they make it really nice. Kind of like a foster home for cats, I would actually say. Um, and usually it's really nice in there. There's a bunch of toys. They're very comfortable. They're treated very well. They're taken care of really, really well. Um, but you can pay to like go and play with them. So for $10, you could go play with a bunch of cats for 30 minutes. And That's it was really smart. And then they get socialized too, you know, they get around, they get attention and they get pet and stuff like that. Exactly. And they, you know, they need that too. Um, so, but there was this one coffee shop called Flora and something else with an F. <laughs> Terrible at names. Um, but it was basically this coffee shop in this like plant shop and they had all these different plants that they were selling and mm -hmm. growing. Um, and it just was really cool, like really, really cool experience. That was the first place that we stopped at. Um, but everything there was just so creative and I love that. It was very inspiring. Like you could go there and just be inspired walking down the street, um, and looking at all the art around you. And everybody was very kind. Everyone that worked there and all the shops and all the places, very kind people. Um, also my allergies didn't bother me as much. That was nice. As soon as we got back into Tennessee, literally we crossed the state line. It was like, sneezing all over the and I was just like, we're home. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, here we are. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. That's interesting that it all fired up like as soon as you crossed the border to Tennessee. So maybe Asheville is more like it resonates more with you somehow. You know, there's like some kind of whether it's the hippie artsy vibe or the the drum circles or the cat cafe or whatever. It sounds like you had a really fun time. Yeah, we had a great time. Very, yeah, I've always been a little hippie at heart. So when everyone who's told me I need to go check it out was very right, very much on point. Although I will say something that surprised me is by the time we made it through like our 10th hippie store, I, would, I told Bobby, I was like, I don't really want to go to any more of the hippie stores. They're all the same. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like I think they're cool I love like smelling the different incense and looking at all the cool really funky candles that people make like I think they're really cool but um after like the 10th one I was like I'm good I'm good you start to blur <laughs> together a little bit yeah I'm like I feel like I've seen the same thing like yeah. a lot just like marketed in, in different kinds of branding um yeah. but but it was fun. Like, it was really, really fun. There was a clothing boutique that we went into that was so out of our price point. Mm. Really cute, awesome clothes. And if you can afford it, amazing. But we couldn't. But they gave us free champagne. Um, and that was cool. We were just like, cool. So we were going to, we get to like just walk through the shop and drink a little bit of champagne. And that's really nice. And then they had a dog and we got to pet the dog. Wait, is that in Asheville proper? Downtown Asheville. Okay. I think I've been to that store. Yeah. You might have. A little bit bougie. I mean. It was very bougie. It was very. And they had a guitar. Bobby picked up the guitar and he started playing the guitar. That was literally the only drink we had in Asheville was the free, the one glass of free champagne we were given in the boutique store. <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't afford your pants, but I'm definitely taking your free champagne. And then we're going somewhere else to yeah, another like hippie store. Where we feel more comfortable. Want this champagne? I was like, is it free? And they were like, yeah. I was like, oh, sure. I mean, I do want the champagne. Is there another question? 
<laughs> and then yeah. Bobby's like, can I pet your dog? <laughs> <laughs> Any of your clothes or anything, but we will drink the champagne that you gave us for free and we will pet your dog and we will admire the clothing. Yeah. <laughs> and you make the store, you know, look busy, which is always good. That that always prompts demand. And yeah, most most of the good things in life are free, right? I mean, the dog's just sitting there. Like, you know, the champagne is just sitting there. Like, exactly. They're giving it away as a hook. It obviously works for them somehow. Yeah. Um, well, this conversation is off to just a wonderful organic start. We do like to ask a couple questions at the start. And so before I forget, and maybe you've covered up, maybe you've covered this already. So um, we ask you, uh, what's your virtual hug, which is simply to say, tell us somebody or something you're grateful for today. This is one of the hardest questions for me because I feel like there's so many people and so many things um, that I'm really, really grateful for. But I will have to say, this you is- You can have more than one. You can have 12. Okay. We could just have this be the virtual hug episode. Okay, well, we will be here in a minute. Um, <laughs> the first thing that comes up for me that I'm really grateful for is therapy. Um, I've had several therapy sessions I go um, once a month to like my own personal therapy session um, and then my husband and I do marriage counseling and we've been doing that since before we got married. We've been married almost three years um, and we do that every month, just like a check-in, um, touching base with each other and, and like as we grow and evolve as individuals, like we want to be nurturing our marriage. Um, and we've had a few sessions recently that I feel like I can't really think of a better word than like breakthrough. Like we've experienced some breakthrough on some communication things that we've been working on. Um, and it just, to me, just goes to show you that like when you really put in the work into your mental health and you stay consistent and you have the right support, you know, and you, ha you have the right therapists who work with you and meet where you where you're at. Um, I just feel like there's so much like, healthy growth from that and it, I was just feeling really grateful like we were talking about it this past weekend reflecting on like how far we've come and how much we've grown and as individuals but also like our marriage um and I just don't know that we would be where we are today if it wasn't for therapy mm -hmm. um and our therapists and just the mental health care industry in general um yeah, I'm just so grateful. So, so grateful. Like, I've grown a lot um, as a person, and I've grown in being able to, like, set really healthy boundaries, which was something I was absolutely terrible at, if like, five years ago. <laughs> um, and I feel like I've grown in, like, communication. I feel like I've grown in compassion um, in ways that, like, I never really thought were possible like I couldn't even imagine prior to like really diving deep into mental health and understanding like what compassion really is because it's not just like hey I hope you feel better like let me give you a hug like there's so there's so much about like intentionally um holding space for people that takes a lot of like work um so that's something that I feel like I've grown in and my husband and I have grown in for each other um with each other and yeah um 
I feel like that's number one. You want me to keep going? Because I have other things. I do. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, um, <laughs> nature. So we got to go to the highest point on the East Coast yesterday. And I, I absolutely love nature. I love exploring um, all of the different ways that God created the world. I always call it like his painting, his art. Um, and when we got to the top, which is Mount Mitchell, and we looked straight out and it was like, just like clouds in the distance. And you can see other peaks that are really, really tall, far away, but they're below the clouds and you're like above the clouds. I just felt like it was one of those like otherworldly experiences. Like we hopped on a spaceship and we went to a different planet for like a day um, and I love those kinds of experiences when it's like really like it's new. You've never been here before and experiencing um, a different part of the world that you haven't seen and and like witnessing all of the depth to the beauty and seeing other people in awe of it too around you. There were a lot of other people there that were really enjoying it. Um, I love that. So I'm just super grateful for nature and all of the ways that. Um, it provides for us, and it inspires us. Hmm. Um, so that's number two. That's poetic. <laughs> that's poetic. Yeah. Uh, number Sounds three. Sounds like there's a third. There is. And I'll stop there, because I'm telling you, we could really make this whole show, like, a whole virtual hug show. We could make this a whole podcast. This could be a whole <laughs> new podcast series. It's just the virtual hug. Like, come on and tell us your moment of gratitude. You'd have to be the co-host or, or the guest every time. <laughs> yeah, we could co-host it and then we can invite people on and be like, let's just spread the love. The <laughs> so therapy, nature, and? Um, let's see. My friends um, have just been incredible. Like I have some really, really good friends and a couple of them I've been friends with for a while. Um, and then a couple are, like, not super new, but newer to my life. Um, and they've just been really supportive people in my life, really compassionate people in my life. They challenge me um, to grow. They challenge me to be a better person all the time. And I feel like they really appreciate me in return. And... I've just found myself very regularly being really grateful for my friend circle because although a couple of them I have known for a while, I've never really felt like I had like a solid like group of friends around me that I really connected with, trusted, and felt like we were like growing together mm -hmm. um, regardless of like the different spaces that like we would each go to throughout our lives and our career choices and journeys and whatnot. Um, but I've found like, since probably the beginning of this year, like, I just feel so grounded in my relationships with my friends. And I've never really had that feeling before. Um, I've always just been like, I don't know how long this one's going to stick around, or I don't know how long we're going to be friends, or I don't know. Like, just, or we grow apart, and, like, that's always been kind of, like, bittersweet for me. Um, but to, like, have people in my life that I just feel like it's, like, kind of like a sisterhood 
Um, that feels really new to me and I'm super grateful for it. And I feel like I've become a better friend because of that. Like I'm so invested in these relationships with my friends and I'm like, how, how can I be a better friend to them today? Like, what can I say to them? Can I call them and just say, Hey, like, how can I check in? Like if somebody's sick, can I send them medicine? Some of them are artists and we go to each other's shows um which is really cool like we try to support each other's dreams and we pump each other up and when they're crying like it's like I'm here to listen like nobody tells anybody to stop crying nobody tell nobody like puts anybody down for crying no shaming happens it's just like where are you at today and let's like meet each other there um kind of a thing um and they're just such inspiring people I was telling my therapist recently that I'm like surrounded by these really beautiful, strong, smart, kind, sincere, authentic women. And it's just so good. So, so, so good. That's amazing. That's so cool. I mean, lucky you. That's so fortunate. Um, and there are, I mean, there are people out there that are just incredible, you know? Um, and it sounds like you found recently more than one, a group of people that, you know, you can support each other and be there for each other. And then you benefit by the giving, you know, it comes back to you. Sounds like tenfold sometimes where they're there for you. Is there something about your face in life or your behavior that maybe opened or made space for that to happen? Or is it just, is it just, you know, this time, this season, you're noticing this development with these friendships? I think, um, so I would say throughout like my teenage years and like early 20s, I cared about my friends. Um, but I think that like I never, I think I was like too busy trying to just like have fun. Like I think a lot of my friends were prioritizing going out to parties and boys and um, experiencing fun things, which like don't get me wrong, like time and place. I hated all those things. Yeah, and there's a time and place for that, and you want to be able to have fun with your friends. Um, but I don't think I valued the people who were there for me outside of that as much as I should have. And I found myself, um, just as I continue to grow, and, you know, like, sometimes you're you're in a relationship, and, like, you're the one that could have been, like, a better friend or a better partner when that relationship doesn't go very well, or... Or they're the one that could have been a better friend. Or maybe it's a little bit of both. But just through, like, all of my experiences, like, I feel like I've really grown in my priorities in terms of, like, character traits of people that I choose to um, keep in, like, my inner circle. Mm -hmm. I've really grown in that. Um, part of that has been me choosing and, like, what kind of character traits I'm prioritizing for myself. So I guess the biggest thing that's really changed is just me um, prioritize my priorities. My priorities have grown a lot, um, especially in the last 10 years. Um, and then sticking to them, like having those boundaries. Um, because even with my friends now, like we're all human um, and we all have different budgets and we all have different bandwidths and some are more introverted and others are more extroverted. And 
Some get like some work like late night shifts. Some have to be up really early in the morning. Like it's just all different. So like even, you know, as like adult women, we just have to be able to assert ourselves respectfully and then be able to respect those boundaries. And I think that my ability to do that and stand firm in them without backing down while also like respecting like my friends' boundaries and myself through the process is like probably one of the key things that has allowed me to have these like flourishing relationships with really kind people. And I think that like, I, it's not like every person that comes into my life sticks. I just think the ones that have are ones that reciprocate that um, mindset, I would say. Um, so I'm really, really grateful too, because that's what I want around me are like people who are choosing the healthier path. <laughs> yeah. So one more question on that and then we'll, then I want to switch gears a tiny bit, um, to focus on the work you're doing, which is beautiful. Um, so what was, um, as much as you want to share, or you can just pass on this question entirely, but what was the hardest thing about setting boundaries? And then what did you do to um, finally have those fences, put those fences up and, you know, still allow for a relationship and uh, neighbors and friends and partners and all of that. But you have your yes and you have your no rather than, you know, without any boundaries, you can be spread pretty thin. You know, if you're water, for example, you know, you just run wherever water runs. Uh, it's hard to, it's hard to capture it. Um, so w what was the challenge from your experience? And then what was maybe one, uh, either tactic or strategy or just, um, priority shift that let you kind of have some of those boundaries? Yeah. Um, man, I feel like the process that led me to being strong in these boundaries very complex and there's so many different like variables to it yeah. um, but I would say I don't remember where exactly I heard this the first time I've heard it a lot after the first time but I don't remember the first time I don't know if it was like from a professor in school mm -hmm. or a friend that went to church before I did because I I became a Christian later in life, um, and I had a lot of friends that were Christians before I was, and um, they would talk about God and tell me things all the time, um, and I would just be like, I don't need to worry about that until later, um, <laughs> but, um, or if it was like myself in a sermon, or if it was in a book I read, or a therapist, but let your yes be yes, your no be no, and I think that... Um, for me, at least, I I view the yes be yes and your no be no like basically as your fence. And then a fence, there's a there's a door and it can open and close. Like not going to stay closed the whole time. It's, you don't want to like have this thick wall up that you don't let anybody in. But you also can't just like let everybody in all the time whenever you know, because then you run out of your resources and you don't have the time and space to take care of yourself and. Even Jesus had to get away to pray and probably be like, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed. <laughs> um, so I think that like, you know, that yes, BS is like, okay, like when I open this gate, like it's going to be an intentional, like, yeah, totally. I'm ready for you. Totally. And then like, no, be no is like, 
I want to be ready for you, but like, I'm just not there yet. Um, or maybe I need some sleep or whatever. Um, so I found myself often, um, just asking myself, like if I'm, if a boundary is either being like pushed a little or challenged, like if I say yes to, to this, do I really mean it? If I say no to this, do I really mean it? Like, where is that coming from? Where is my yes coming from? Where is my no coming from? And to dig a little bit deeper in that, um, I used to say yes to a lot of things because I, A, um, FOMO. I didn't didn't want to miss out. Like, I'm like, I want, I do, I'm a people person and I enjoy spending time with people. I am naturally more extrovert than introvert, although I do need a little bit of introvert time. Um, I love people. It's part of why I do what I do. Um, but also like, I love like experiences and I love going out and like, you know, hiking the tallest point on the East coast and like seeing other people there and petting all their dogs. (laughs) (laughs) A lot of dog petting. Yeah, I know. They're amazing. I love pets and animals. Um, But, you know, I think I didn't make the greatest choices growing up and I've definitely learned from a lot of them. I don't know that I've learned from all of them yet. Still work in process, but like a lot of them I have. And I feel like one of the things that um, has helped me in understanding like when I'm saying yes to something or no to something is like, okay, when I used to like say yes to something because I was afraid of missing out, but I knew I had to be at work the next morning and I had a test that I was studying for like when I was in college and then I had homework I had to do after that test and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I would say yes to something that I knew I shouldn't say yes to because I didn't want to miss out. I felt so much worse the next day. I didn't feel good. And like, so just reflecting on that and being like, okay, how am I going to make a different choice this time from like a space of like, am I going to be able to give all of my responsibilities and the things that I now prioritize the best of me? Um, And so I've become a planner. (laughs) Um, And that's really helped me a lot. And, And like, that's kind of become the foundation of my yes being yes or no being no because now I have this book in front of me where I've organized all the different things that I do and I'm responsible for and if somebody asks me to do something in a time frame that I can't no I'm sorry I can't like it's like or if I see like okay I have these just see the visual in front of me is seeing all the different things that I have going on if I'm like okay I'm gonna really need to like sleep for this thing I have going on the next day like can't do that tonight but maybe next time or we could plan it a little further ahead of time I won't do this intense mental thing the next day or whatever Mm -hmm. um so I think like just growing in time management has been helpful for me and then the other aspect would be people pleasing um I do and I still wrestle with this one I'm constantly finding myself working on it but like I feel guilty saying no (laughs) like when somebody like really wants me to come out and like celebrate something with them or come see a movie with them or go like just being with them a quality time thing and I think parts of that is because quality time is like a pretty strong love language for me um I feel guilty when I say no to that because I'm like I hope they don't feel like I'm saying like they're not worth the time like they are 
I just can't, I don't have it in me to really give right now. Um, and so I've found that if I do that too much, I do spread myself too thin and then I, and I often overschedule myself and then I end up really hurting people if like, I forgot I had something at a certain time because I scheduled something with somebody else because I was afraid to say no and it just gets messy and I'm not the biggest fan of that. So I've found that I'm a better person. I'm a better friend and I can like really be present in the time that I schedule with people when I'm not doing it from a place of like people pleasing and rather just a place of like, is this like really in alignment for me right now? And if it isn't, that's not a reflection of like the value or worth that like the time I want, like you have to offer is valued or, or, or like worth. Um, it's more so like, okay, if this can't happen right now, because I value this relationship and I do want to spend time with you, how can we make this happen in the future? Mm -hmm. I've grown in that. Um, and that's allowed me to be a better friend. And when people, cause people still get disappointed if like, I have to say no. And like yeah. a lot people like call me like the mom in the group because I'm like the first one to go home. I went to like a friend show uh, recently and then they went out afterwards and I was like, I can't do that. I've been up since like seven in the morning. It's 10 at night. I have to be up again at seven in the morning. I'm going home. They know me by now though. So they don't like it matter anything, but like I can sense like, okay. <laughs> and I'm just like, disappointed. Like, I wish I could come out, and I do always appreciate the invite, too. Like, it is sweet when people, like, think of you and invite you, even if you might say Um, But my end, I've grown in being, like, I can't, because I know how I'm going to be. I'm going to be exhausted. I'm going to be tired. I might even get sick, because, like, when I'm not sleeping, I, get, I just tend to get sick. I tend to get a little cold, and I don't want to be, I don't want to be sick <laughs> when I can avoid it. Um, so yeah, I just think time management has definitely been a factor for me. Um, there's, there's areas where it's a lot more complex than that. I feel like those are really like simple examples, but things can get a little more challenging when let's say it's just like really different lifestyles and there's certain things that, you know, when your priorities really differ from someone else's priorities and they're wanting you to be environment that you're not comfortable with mm -hmm. things can get really um can get a little intense um but something I've worked on in therapy is like if I say no like and the person's like not really respecting that no like just leave it like that's where your actions will speak louder than your words and to just walk away mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. just made a lot yeah, um, that's made a lot more room for the people in my life that do respect my lifestyle. So I think that, you know, there is a saying, and I don't know how it's exactly phrased, but um, when you let go of what isn't for you, you make more room for what is. I really, really believe that. Um, and some of those things that you let go can be really, really hard. Um, and it doesn't mean, again, like the door go opens and closes. So it doesn't necessarily mean that those relationships may not come back into your life at some point. It's just that it's a two-way street. And if they're not going to respect your property, you know, like your boundaries and your space, then like this isn't the time for them to be in your life. And that's okay. And I do think that that, you know, 
you have more energy then to focus on people who are going to like nurture the relationship versus constantly be trying to pull you out of the fence and like <laughs> just be like in their world kind of a thing. Um, yeah, you've talked so, about three. Re you've talked about a lot of resource management is what you're talking about, and there's three resources that um, are almost typically finite, and that's time and energy and money. And you touched on money a little bit with like, oh, there's maybe some lifestyle differences here, or, you know, maybe it's not just related to money. Maybe it's um, beliefs or priorities or what have you, but certainly energy and time, what you've started to do. Um, and don't feel too bad about your youth. Um, you know, when you're still learning, Mark Twain has a, a saying, uh, youth is wasted on the young. And it's like, every, you know, almost everybody throws it away <laughs> until they're 20 or 30 or 40. For me, it was 40. And then I was like, then I woke up, you know, and, uh, and Carl Jung says, um, the people who look um, outside dream and the people who look inside awake. And so it's a matter of you um, working within the confines of yourself, to me, is what it sounds like. And knowing yourself better, knowing that you're going to be tired at 7am, which just makes me tired hearing that story. And yes, you, you get sick because you're like, your immunity is down. I've been there. Um, or you're in your energy level, you know, to go out after the show. And all of that is investing in Jacqueline's future self, you know? So I'm always thinking about as much as possible. I'm thinking about 80 year old Steve, and that's maybe too far in the future, but I invest in him a lot. And I think, mm -hmm. what will this old guy want because uh, I'm going to be him, you know, unless things go horribly wrong, I'm probably going to be him. That's the best hypothesis based on, you know, average lifespan and things like that. So why not invest in that person at the end game, you know? And so I'm learning, I'm learning more and more to do that again, and not, not perfect in any stretch, but that's what, that's where my mind goes when you're talking about these decisions and your, your yes and your no and your fence. And the other thing is there's a great short story. I'll send you a link later because I'm blanking on the author. Uh, but basically the, um, the moral of the story is don't tear down fences until you know what they're there for. Right. And so there's this person in the story who sees this fence and starts tearing it down. And then, you know, I won't spoil it for you, but um, bad things happen. So, yeah, maybe your fences are there for a reason. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's another lesson, too. Trust is earned. And I used to not feel that way. I used to just give it away until it was like burned. <laughs> um, and I've learned like it's trust mm. is earned. Trust is earned. Okay. <laughs> Hemingway says uh, the best way to uh, to know if you can trust somebody is to trust them. So um, that's the other side of things is that you don't want to, um, of course, you don't want to, we don't want to hurt ourselves to the point that we're, um, we feel broken. Of course, we don't want to put ourselves unnecessarily into pain or if we see trends yeah. and of course we're going to try to protect ourselves. That's human nature. And there's a good reason for that. And also, um, uh, I would say it most accurately as the decision to leave my heart open regardless of the future is probably uh, one of the most difficult but best decisions I make from time to time 
because I'll have my own um, sort of selfishness creep in or my own fears or insecurities. And there's this closing um, that happens or is, is tempting to happen. Right. Um, I'm like, Oh, I'm going to get hurt or, ah, they don't like me or whatever, you know, and just to remain open, uh, allows flow to happen because anytime we shut things off with flow, like water or electricity or air, you know, try, try holding your breath for five minutes and, you know, try not drinking water for four days. And, um, we see that we damn things up, you know, it's also, I think, um, music is an expression of sort of that, you know, that, um, um, that dark side of the moon sometimes that we need to express or else it builds up. And again, Carl Jung says what we resist persists. So it's not like it goes away because you shove it down. You know, um, what happens is an equal and opposite reaction, not unlike holding a surfboard under the water for as long as you can, and then having it pop you in the jaw when you run out of energy, you know, it's like, it's going to yeah. happen. So how do we mitigate and how do we actually allow for this space to happen? So. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely like varying perspectives on trust. And I feel like it's going to always depend on the kind of relationship you're fostering, the environment, um, that the trust is being experienced too. Like, is this like personal, is this professional? Is it, what is it? You know, mm -hmm. I don't know too many people who would, you know, quickly hop into a relationship without, with somebody without feeling like they could trust them or like, you know, even interviews, for instance, like when you go for like a job interview, like there's a certain level of trust that people tend to have before they, hire someone and while like you do need to like remain open um and have an open heart and have an open mind to things like having like standards and seeing you know not pushing other people to fill them but more so like giving them the time to show you too like if like they want to fill them um, is really important and I feel like that's an aspect of like trust building and that's part of just relationship building I feel like everything comes down to trust and it's, it's this ebb and flow like trust is so you can't really hold it and it is like water like it that you can't like keep it in in a box um if you hold it too tight like it's just not going to work but if you don't work with it at all, if you're not trying to figure it out at all and understand it, like, then, like, you, are you even touching it? Like, are you even grasping it at all? So there's, like, this kind of a dance. That's how I like to describe trust. And I think that, for me, um, I've learned that my heart opens up more when I go into something with an open heart but with a mind that's like, I'm not going to assume I can trust the situation. I'm not going to assume I can trust the person. I'm going to go into this as a as a, a student, not a teacher, um, and learn and see what I have to learn. And that's, for me, like how I feel like my trust is built and like how it's earned is because I don't 
know anyone or anything immediately as soon as I step into a situation with somebody that I don't I've never spent time with so it's like this is new so it's like anything new for me I'm always like okay I don't you know a new hype where do I step where's the path like and until I've done that path a couple times I'm gonna have a hard time trusting how to like walk down it where it actually is and it's like the the more you kind of learn about it the more you understand it and then you trust yourself with it a little more because you're like, all right, I know that the path is there. I know that like it, it's got this one part where the, that really large stone is and you got to lift your foot up a little higher or you're going to trip and fall. <laughs> um, and like that kind of aspect to it. But you don't want to be so like closed off that you don't even try. So, so I don't know. It's also like complex. And then you get into like, relationships and people and we're all just like a beautiful mess (laughs) um and we make mistakes and we we can hurt each other and you know I think that when we hurt each other there in order for that relationship to continue moving forward there should be some sort of reconciliation and I think in the reconciliation there's a trust building process that happens and if someone isn't feeling like trust needs to be built in that space or like nurtured in that space and earned after like mistakes have happened it's like that's not really fair mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's like the opposite of love isn't fear it's apathy right you're like at, this, at some yeah. point like you're hurt so much you're like actually i don't care like you can you can walk you know um well met and all that um and there's a there's a story um there's a story about um this old man and uh one day these uh this horse like shows up on his property and uh he's like he's amazed you know and uh all the neighbors come around him and like oh man this thick this is amazing like what a what a what what fortune you know and he's like oh we'll see and um uh the horse runs off and the neighbors are like oh i'm so sorry you know and he says oh we'll we'll see you know and uh it comes back with a herd of wild horses and uh to his house and he's the neighbors come around they're so happy they're so elated they're like oh what amazing luck you know and he says we'll see and so his son is training the horses and uh, one of them rears back and kicks him and breaks the son's leg and the neighbors come around and they say oh i'm so sorry for your bad luck and he says we'll see and then uh right after that soon after that a, a civil war breaks out in his country and uh they're drafting soldiers and his son can't go because he has a broken leg and so um Part of that is related to, for me, to this passage in the Tao Te Ching, where it says, what do you do when the river is roiling and you are in it? Like, imagine Mm -hmm. yourself actually in raging rapids. Yeah. And it says to let yourself go and to flow where it flows. And then when it smooths out, then you can swim to shore, but you certainly can't fight against every um, unfortunate situation in your life or anticipate that, you know, but at the same time, there is the yin and the yang where you, you, you do want adventure. You do want one foot in home and familiarity where you know the path to the walk 
But then you also want the first time of that walk because otherwise you'd never be on it. So, you know, like what you did in Asheville this weekend, you summited Mount Mitchell for the first time. Well, that was very unfamiliar territory. And maybe you had a guide along the way or what have you, but we need a little bit of both. Yeah. I learned that even though it was, there was this one portion of the hike was, it was 0.8 miles and Bobby was like, do you need water? And I was like, nah, we'll be back in time. We don't need wa We should have brought water. <laughs> like, and like, wow. Yeah. And that I, I definitely opened myself up to, um, but I also learned from, and I think that that's like, you know, part of the, the whole life thing, like we're always learning and, Mm -hmm. and you you know there's a saying and I don't remember who it's by but it's like um, once you know better do better and when I used to first read it I would be like man that's so harsh <laughs> like, <laughs> like know better do better and I come from like a really like strict background very yeah, strict yeah. Um, with very um black and white thinking not very much gray thinking um and so it's like basically there was either like all the boundaries or no boundaries at all and i'm like where's the middle ground here this podcast is heard along the marketing podcast network for more great marketing podcasts visit marketingpodcasts.net